This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Blue Wire. Kawhi Leonard is going to join the Clippers. Kawhi turns the corner for the win. Yo, what's up, ladies and gentlemen? Welcome to another episode of Clip and Roll. We are recording this super late on Thursday, March 25th, because a lot of stuff has happened. It's been the trade deadline today. The Clippers played a game. There's a ton of stuff to go over. And joining me tonight is Shane Young from Forbes Sports. Shane, this has been a hell of a day, my friend. How's it been for you? Very exhausting. Uh, I, I think, Justin, I, I would say I've fluctuated between exhaustive uh, mentality. I also have a lot of laughter on this night just because of everything that's going on and also just a surprising stuff because of some of the numbers you've spit at me about this game tonight. Yeah. Um, by the way, I, until I just looked up at my the upper right of my desktop where it said THU for Thursday, I did not know this was Thursday. I've completely oh, yeah. for, I, I just don't know the days of the weeks anymore. No, like whenever it was a it was announced that it's going to be a back to back, and you know it was going to be uh, whenever the schedule came out, and I'm like, okay, well the days just aren't aren't even relative anymore. Like you have you have all these row games, then you have this uh, home stand, which nine games in a row, like at home, it's going to be insane uh, to think about. So yeah, I, I don't know what day of the week it is anymore. I just know that the weekends don't mean anything to me either. So. If I'm, I don't know how many of those nine games I'm going to be able to like physically go to because of exhaustion. Yeah, but I'm going to try to get to several of them. That'll be that'll be interesting, especially that Orlando game after all the trades today. I'm not sure they actually have a player left on their roster. <laughs> no, Terrence Ross. <laughs> Terrence Ross really is the last stand. The guy who dropped like 51 against the Clippers. Remember that game in Toronto? I don't. I don't. When was it? Uh, I want to say like three years ago. Four years okay. ago, yeah. it was Terrence Ross, right? Dropped like 51 and Jamal Crawford or Lou Williams. I can't remember. Oh, my God, it's late at night. I don't know anymore. <laughs> One of them had like 40 and Terrence Ross was at the line for the Raptors all time single game record and missed the free throw. Jesus Christ. Yeah, it was like four seconds to go. And we were just everyone's like, oh, that kind of sucks. <laughs> <laughs> like, you know what I mean? Um, but anyways, the like we said, the Clippers did play tonight. They beat the San Antonio Spurs. 98 85 or maybe the spurs beat themselves 85 98 i don't know anymore uh the clippers just rolled into this game with one of the weirdest lineups you'll see all season Kawhi leonard was i can't even talk Kawhi leonard was ruled out with what um like a like right foot soreness was that what the official thing was yeah right foot was it left or right foot i don't even know foot soreness something with the feet. <laughs> Kawhi Leonard had foot soreness. Um, 
Serge Ibaka was already out with lower back tightness. Patrick Beverly was out with right knee soreness. And then we learned that Marcus Morris Sr. was questionable before the game uh, with right calf soreness or left calf soreness, something like that. And then he ended up just not playing. So that means the Clippers went into this game against a team that was 22 and 19, the San Antonio Spurs, who are trying to get back on the winning ways after the Clippers just beat them by 33 the night before. The Clippers are down four starters. They're down a key rotational player in Lou Williams, which I promise you we will get into in a little while. And Shane, this is the slowest pace game I've ever watched in my life. It was like watching David and Goliath fight with like the little <laughs> rock'em, like the little rock'em sock'em, like uh, like the really big inflatable like uh, boxing gloves. Remember those things? Yeah, yeah. It, it just looked like that. It looked awful. It looked awful. It, I was just gonna say, like it's it's it was surprising to me too, man, because you would think like Kawhi is this slow, methodical guy, this 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 half court beast that just likes to operate uh in and uh you know half court pick and roll settings and it's like you would think i oh, take him out of the out of the action take marcus morris and, and you know older veteran out of the action and you're going to get a faster paced game you're going to get pg going a little bit quicker uh reggie jackson pushing the ball like only reggie jackson can do and still only a pace of what 89 possessions 92 90, and a half officially nine, 92 possessions per 48 so that's that's insane um Amir Coffey, who I would imagine is one of the most athletic players on the team, when he was in the game, the pace was 89.1. I don't even think the Bad Boys Pistons played a pace that slow. It's Ty Lue maybe uh, once in his early career. <laughs> in the yeah, two, that's because 2000, I think 2004 might have been the worst year for basketball ever. So, Oh, man. Yeah, the Pistons ground everybody to a halt that year. Yeah. Um. Anyways, like I said, the Clippers win 98-85. And to basically go over this game, we do need to talk about it in several stages. The first stage is the Clippers come out in this first quarter, and they look good. Reggie Jackson especially scores 12 points, I believe, in the first quarter. Um, Paul George looks good early on. Ivica Zubac looks good early on. Um, both teams offensively look fine. And then as the game went along from there, it got a little bit wonky. Second quarter comes along. Clippers really can't make anything. Spurs are hitting like 55% of their shots. And the Spurs go into the half leading 55-49. And frankly, I kind of thought the Clippers were lucky to only be down by six, considering the Spurs were making 52.5%. They were under 40. And it was like they just looked tired. Like you looked at them and you could tell they were tired. But then I don't know what the hell Ty Lue tells them in the second half. Because the second half comes around and the Clippers hold the Spurs to 30 points on 42 shots. In the second half, hold the Spurs to 28.6% shooting. The Spurs missed 30 shots in the second half and got zero offensive rebounds. Shane and I, before we went on the air, I noticed that the Spurs had just two offensive rebounds for the game. And since none were in the second half, I got curious, like, hey, when the hell was the last offensive rebound for the Spurs? It came with like 10 and a half minutes to go in the second quarter. So you're talking for the final, and I'm trying to do math off the top of my head here. What is this like? The final 34 minutes of that game, the Spurs get no offensive rebounds. That's absurd. Yeah, I I couldn't believe that when he told me. And I, I kind of I kind of found it astounding that the way the Spurs played in the first half, it, it was just a complete flip flop. Like they couldn't get anything to fall in the second half, as you said. And I believe like you tweeted early. I think you might have tweeted at halftime like the Clippers missed 
two or three like wide open shots and and really that that's why they were down six you know that they could have uh they could have had the gap a little bit closer they could have had the lead going into the halftime but uh just missed a lot of open shots in the in the second quarter as you said but yeah like for the spurs to not grab an offensive board not rebound one of their 30 misses or was it 30 misses 30 misses in the second yeah, half. Not rebound one of their 30 misses in the second half was nuts. And it, it, we, we were kind of pondering, like, how is that possible when you have Yaka Pirtle, you have all the you have Eubanks, you have all these guys out here playing. Kelvin you know, Johnson. Eubanks, yeah, yeah. Eubanks only got three minutes. Got Kelvin Johnson playing a lot of big a lot, a lot of big minutes and a lot of athletic minutes. Um, but, hey, I, the, the Spurs didn't have it. And this, you know, I, I've watched probably – I would say maybe half of the Spurs game so far this year because I'm intrigued by their young core. It was definitely the weirdest and worst Spurs game I've seen. It was their second worst offensive rating for San Antonio this season. The only game that's worse than that for them was a loss to the Minnesota Timberwolves on January 10th, which was just abysmal. Ooh, I forgot they lost to the Timberwolves. Timberwolves have beaten some weird teams this year. Yes. They have like eight wins and they were against like weird teams. Um, I, I don't know what my biggest takeaway from this game was other than the fact that the Clippers fought like hell. Reggie Jackson scored 16 points in the fourth quarter. Big government came through <laughs> that, that name, man. I'm making this name stick. Reggie Jackson is big government because he keeps bailing the Clippers out and I don't understand it. Um, <laughs> Some of those shots at the end of the shot clock, like <laughs> it, it, like I, I would love to take a look at the which we could easily do. Take a look at his uh, late shot clock attempts. But but what we can't do is look at the late shot clock attempts with a hand directly in his grill because he makes like 80 percent of those. It feels like. Yeah, I don't, I, I'm going to tell you the, the staff will say he shoots awful on them and I just trust him to make them for no reason. Wild. It's, Brian, Brian Seaman loves them. Yeah, I mean, Reggie's a very nice guy. I love Reggie. I think Reggie's like the nicest person I've ever interacted with. Like that dude is really down to earth. Oh my God, I just looked it up and this does not count for tonight. Okay. In very late shot clock situations, which is four seconds and less, Reggie Jackson is 14 of 30 from three. Jesus. That's before tonight. That's before tonight. On three-point attempts under seven seconds, seven seconds and under, he's twenty-two of forty-seven coming into tonight. Dude, you know who could use Reddy Jackson? His former coach, Stan Van Gundy, who's probably wondering where in the hell was this in Detroit. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, probably right. Good lord! By the way, fun fact: uh, I know this is way off topic, but Andre Drummond is getting bought out by the Cleveland Cavaliers, and I tweeted this out yesterday. If Andre Drummond ends up with one of the two Los Angeles teams, the entire starting lineup from the game four postseason loss in 2016 by the Detroit Pistons will have played in Los Angeles at some point. Reggie Jackson, Contavious Caldwell Pope, Tobias Harris, Marcus Morris Sr. and Andre Drummond. You are a sick individual for knowing that or for looking that up. Yeah, I looked at it. I don't know why I did that. By the way, that was when I actually came back across that Marcus was actually in Detroit at one time, which I completely like blanked from my memory. And future at the at that time in 2016, future Piston starter Luke Kennard is also. Oh, that's right. Yeah. Yes. Look at the Pistons had some ballers. If only they knew it at the time. (laughs) Yeah. Um, But yeah, so the Clippers win this game. 98, 85 down four starters down Lou Williams. Um, they only had nine rotational bodies. They played eight of them. Each guy got at least 23 minutes. Each guy scored. Each guy got a rebound. All but one got an assist. Um, it's It was just 
Uh, credit to the team, by the way. They only had 10 turnovers. And I actually feel like we should talk about that for a second. Their last several games, they're not turning the ball over. Fans were clamoring like, oh, they're starting to turn the ball over quite a bit. They're not turning the ball over, really. Like, I think the two games prior to this, they had eight turnovers in each game. Yeah, so since the post or since the All-Star break, number one in turnover percentage, which I've, I've always, uh, I guess I've always hammered home that you should go by the percentage of your possessions Correct. that you turn the ball over because Clippers do play one of the slowest paces in the league. So obviously they're going to have fewer turnovers than most teams. Um, but it is, it is uh, I guess, a, a good positive takeaway that they have listened to Ty Lue because – I think this is something I, I, I kind of get some parallels between this Clippers offense and those Warriors teams like the last few years where Steve Kerr would always say like, um, you know, just in media scrums or whatever the case was, he would always say we are too good to give away possessions. Like if if we don't give them extra shots that we that uh, that we're just coughing up and, and not getting the ball down the floor or in a in a good efficient manner like we're going to hammer teams like we're, we're just going to beat the breaks off teams if we're not turning the ball over a lot and i think that's you know you i'm sure we'll get into it but like you can argue about all the other little issues the clippers have had with their offense or or with their defense i think the defense has been the number one thing uh I would agree. In, the, in, the, in the early part of the season that was a problem that was probably the number one but I think if if they just fix their turnover issues, which they clearly have, they are a night and day looking team. Like it's it's just a completely different team. Yeah, no, I 100% agree with you. Uh, since the All Star break, the most turnovers they've had in the game is are 13, and when they've had 10 or fewer, they're six and zero. Obviously, they've only played eight games; they're six and two. But that's kind of crazy when you end up looking at like if you're not gifting the opposition extra possessions, more than likely you're going to win those games or at least give yourself a better chance of winning those games. Even on nights when you shoot 38% from the field and you have to get 14 offensive rebounds to even give yourself a chance to win. Um, The Clippers only had 16 assists tonight, which oddly enough is the second fewest assists they've had in the game. And they won. Like it just shows you though, like just take care of the ball get extra possessions sooner or later, things will go right for you. And they, and they went right for the Clippers in this game. God knows how, I mean, personally, they probably should have won by more if they, a make more of their wide open threes that they ended up missing or B got to the free throw line more than they did because they probably deserve to go there even more. Yeah. Uh, Hey, shout out Luke Kennard too. 25 minutes, zero turnovers. And as much as he he's dictating and he, as much as he's being asked to dictate with the ball, like that's impressive. That's kind of a noteworthy thing because I think, you know, part of him not being on the floor for those, you know, several weeks or or whatever, however long it was that Ty Lue had him in his doghouse. It's like, well, he's, kind of poor defensively but also like he's just not making the right decisions or he's not shooting when he should but like hey if you're not turning the ball over like luke even though he only had five points tonight on seven shots like hey you can stay on the floor also terrence man no turnovers in 32 minutes like wow your young guys are not turning the ball over um amir coffee had what two turnovers in 24 minutes but i don't like so basically your young guys those are your young guys having a and the ball handlers the young ball handlers having two combined turnovers and they each played almost at least 24 minutes like that's that's crazy like this this is one of the best wins for the clippers and i understand the spurs are not a great team and they were without players themselves um at the end of the day 
this is a great win because it's a back-to-back. You're without four starters. It's an emotional day for the team. And they still did it in a rock fight, in a, in a game in which it wasn't pretty. But they did the most beautiful thing they could do, which is get the win. And at the end of the day, that's all that really matters. Yeah. Um, we're going to have to talk about this trade. This is the... <laughs> we buried the lead. Credit Karma has always been there to help you make better financial decisions. And now they want to help you even more. With a Credit Karma Money Spend account, you can be rewarded for good money habits. Credit Karma Money is a brand new checking account where you can win cash reimbursements for making purchases. Just pay with your debit card, and if you win, you'll be notified on the spot, and your Instant Karma cash will be added back to your spend account. Open your FDIC-insured spend account for free. There's no minimum balance requirements, no overdraft fees, and free withdrawals from a network of over 50,000 ATMs. And when you make a purchase between June 8th and June 30th, you'll automatically be entered to win $1 million. Right now, visit creditkarma.com backslash win money to open your free account and start winning instant karma. Go to creditkarma.com backslash win money to sign up for free and start winning. That's creditkarma.com slash win money. Instant karma is sponsored by Credit Karma. No purchase necessary. Exclusions and terms apply. See rules. Banking services provided by MVB Bank Incorporated. Member FDIC, maximum balance and transfer limits apply. Yeah, so the reason the Clippers were without Lou Williams today is because they traded him. Um, end of end of story, end of line, they, they traded him. They sent him to Atlanta along with two second-round picks. And if I'm not mistaken, it was the 2023 Portland second-round pick and a 2027 Clippers second-round pick. Am I right? Yeah. Okay, and cash. They sent all that to Atlanta, and they got Rajon Rondo. Um, Lou Williams is an expiring contract. Rajon Rondo has another year of $7.5 million. Uh, basically, the Clippers free up, if you really want to care about this, about an extra half million dollars under the, uh, the hard cap, which can help them in the buyout market in terms of being able to like get someone else. I believe they still have part of the biannual exception to use, right? Am I wrong? I'm not too sure about that, but getting to the nitty gritty of their cap details, but yeah, I thought they did. I don't know. I could be wrong. I don't know. Numbers, math. It's fun. Um, Basically the Clippers still have two open roster spots. We're not going to worry about that right now. They traded Lou Williams, who before we talk about the fit of Rondo or anything like that, Lou Williams for three and a half years was a Clipper staple. He, in my opinion, had the best years of his career with the Clippers uh, the first ever season he had as a 20 point per game scorer came with the Clippers. Uh, he, he did that in 2017, 18, 22 and a half points a game uh, night in night out, gave them a chance to even make the playoffs. They didn't make the playoffs, but he was, they were in the race because of him, because of guys like Tobias Harris, et cetera, CJ Williams, shout out to you. Um, 2018, 19, he goes off for 20 and is basically their, <clears throat> their de facto closer, uh, hits several big shots, gets them into the playoffs. Um, obviously, because of him, they win two games against juggernaut Golden State. You know, last year he takes on a more third f- third or fourth banana roll, and this year he got even slipped further down, and his minutes really got cut. But, you know, he I th- thought offensively he was still good. Um, but I just want to say, Lou Williams, uh, I do appreciate everything you did for the franchise. You were awesome to watch. Um you were very – I would just, I would call him – I thought he was consistently good offensively, like like just consistent. Like you knew what you were getting. 
And that's a very heartwarming and comforting thing to know that this guy is going to walk on the floor and you know what he's going to do on that end of the floor and you're comfortable. Um, With that said, he's no longer a Clipper. Rajon Rondo is in and now Shane's going to depress me with some statistics and I'm just going to sit here and act like I don't hear it. Well, first of all, on the on the Lou front, like you can, uh, you know, more eloquently talk about Lou and his impact on the Clippers than I can. I've only kind of like been around the team for the last year and a half, but it's like I, you could clearly tell. I thought PG's sentiments were were the most telling tonight. You could clearly tell the impact he had on that group. You could clearly tell how much they respected him and, and admired his mind. And what's always stuck out to me. More so than the performances. Now we can mention the performances that that I'll always remember. It's it's in that Warrior series. You know, thirty eight was it thirty eight in game two or game three? Thirty six points, and it's like um, game five. The you know when when they actually make it a, a real series and force it to game six. Um, yeah, Lou has like thirty three or thirty four, like in Golden State as well. So it's you know those big time performances, and for someone that hasn't had the rep of being a good playoff player. Uh, that that was really meaningful to see at that time, and then you you put the performances aside and you look at just his like outlook on on when he when he's talking to the media or when he's uh, picking up his teammates when he's uh, lifting them up you know mentally and, and and encouraging them. It's something that resonates with a lot of people. Like I I hardly ever find myself uh, watching or you know hearing Lou Williams talk and not taking something away from that. Like he always has some like metaphor or some like, uh, like just witty, uh, you know, old man saying that, that I really like. And it's, I think Lou's just one of the smartest guys that you could come around in the business, uh, when it comes to, you know, being a pro's pro. And I, I wish him the best in Atlanta. If he's going to play for the Hawks, who knows? I'm not sure what his int- intentions and his plans are, but it's been it's been a fun ride to watch him progress from that first season when he got to the Clippers, not really knowing the future after having already been a Laker for a couple of years there. Um, and then now, obviously, uh, you know, three or four years with the Clippers in the books, and then he goes on and and uh, might this might be the end of his career. The way I would describe Lou Williams, that man loved basketball. Like loved it. Um, Anybody who asked him an actual basketball question would get a legitimate basketball answer. And I did appreciate that out of him. Um, I posted the video on Twitter today uh, about an interaction I had with him in preseason where I asked him, you know, you've been in the league 16 years. You've seen the league evolve. How have you been able to evolve with it? And he gave me like a 45 second answer about like, like how the league has evolved or how he's been able to stay in and stay so effective. I thought, I, I thought it was just, and like, he did it right off the top of his head. Like he didn't have to think about it. Like he just, it's how you could tell how it, that's how he felt. Yeah. And I appreciated that with him is uh, when you, when you got Lou Williams, you knew you were getting a real answer. And you know, that guy loved basketball. Um, I hope he kills it in Atlanta. You know, like you said, if that's where he stays, I, I kind of think that's where he's going to stay. That's home. Um, mm-hmm. This feels like the Clippers sent him home basically is how I would look at it. Um, but now we need to talk about the other guy. Uh, um, so look, uh, I, I got to preface it with something here. Okay. Um, I was going to preface it myself, but go right ahead. <laughs> <laughs> I'll just say that it's a little like mind boggling to me, Justin, that, Rondo is Rajon Rondo is viewed as this as this like spring you know springier more spry player that's going to come in and 
and really revitalize their offense, which, by the way, did not need any revitalizing because it's already been uh, pretty damn good to be, what, second in the league in half-court offense so far. It's a little weird to me that he's viewed at this stage, age 35, just turned 35, which is older than Lou Will, correct? Uh, I believe so, yes. I think Lou's 34. So you would kind of think just the perception of how people – talk about Lou and talk about the way Lou has faded out, uh, whether his athleticism and skill wise, that you would think that Rondo's like way younger or a few years younger. But, you know, he's older, has more miles on him or not as not as many miles because Lou's came from high school, obviously, but uh, a lot of playoff miles on him. And, you know, I'm just I'm just not sold on the impact being worth what they eventually gave up, uh, whether it's draft compensation, whether it was the the player itself in lieu, and then obviously the the future salary. You want to get into that a little bit? Yeah. Um, I'm trying to think of what I want to tackle first. There's right, a lot. So, yeah, let's – okay. Before we talk about the on-court impact, let's talk about the fiscal impact. Um Lou Williams was an expiring contract. Uh, now, the Clippers, no matter what, would have been an over-the-cap team. I believe they still would have been over-the-cap even if Kawhi Leonard walked. Um, walks in free agency, I should say. Um, but they take back on $7.5 million for next season. Uh, they save a little bit of money this season, but like I said, I already went into that under the hard cap uh, earlier. For next season, they take on $7.5 million. Um, I haven't done the actual computations. I have a spreadsheet with it. I haven't looked at it yet, though. Um, now, here's the thing. Number one, I think part of me thinks they can move Rondo next or like this coming offseason, like if they really had to. I think he's more or less salary ballast Uh Along with like, and I'm I'm just throwing this out there. I'm not saying this will happen. Along with like Pat or something, and then then you're at like twenty twenty one million dollars yeah. of outgoing salary, and now you're talking you can take back someone who's a little bit more. Um, which who knows? And I'm just gonna say this, and I'm not saying this is gonna happen. It could be a Kyle Lowry sign and trade. I don't know. It's just something that I've been thinking about because Lowry stayed with the Raptors. Um, which by the way, uh, Tampa Bay Raptors. Cool. That was interesting. <laughs> um, with Rondo fiscally, the, I, I don't understand taking on the salary for next year unless you are just going to move him. Um, what really gets me is why did you have to be the team to A, throw cash at this and B, throw picks at this? Like, yeah. Atlanta wants to get off that deal. It's a bad deal. They knew it was bad when they signed it, but they just wanted to see what they could do. And he's been a bottom five player on the floor. I mean, he's been bottom five among veterans. Um, and now you're he, he's bringing been, him. He's been demonstrably worse than Lou Williams. I think that's worth saying. Like, Yeah, it's, uh, it's bad. Um, we'll get into that in a second. Um, so now you're bringing on Rondo, but you gave up two picks and now I understand their second round picks and one of them's Portland's 2023 and one of them is the Clippers 2027. And you know, who cares that far down the line? I mean, sometimes you say that now and then you come to regret that. But at the end of the day, it's like, why were you the team that had to give up assets to get him? Um, you could have pivoted to, 
getting George Hill maybe, or you could have pivoted to getting Victor Oladipo for a, a, like the worst package. Oh my God. What is Houston doing? <laughs> Houston, Houston traded for, the, for those who don't know, Houston traded Victor Oladipo to Miami for Kelly Olenek, uh, Avery Bradley and a first round pick swap that will never convey. They literally traded him for nothing. So they nothing. traded, so they traded James Harden for a bag of chips. And, and draft you think picks. they got that much? You think they got that much? Out of it? <laughs> well, I think they got some draft picks that are going to help them. But uh, hell, they that 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 actually depends on the that relies on the front office to do something with it. So, yeah, good luck to them. Good luck to Houston. Um, I just I thought there were better options than Rondo. I mean, it is what it is. Um, I guess we should talk about the encore because I'm already mad. Um, well, I will I, I will try to paint this with a kind brush though going forward yeah and i think it's worth mentioning since you brought up victor oladipo someone that's been you know probably the most inconsistent talent uh especially for his age like dude this guy in 2018 was like all nba worthy (laughs) hell he didn't he make the all nba team in 2018 i can't remember but he might um, have i don't remember it was was insane years ago yeah (laughs) then he tore his quadricep and had to go through a long rehab. That's one of the worst injuries you could have as a basketball player, probably. And comes back and has just been just been completely up and down. It complete inconsistency uh, from Victor Oladipo since return from that injury. But I will say, like, if you're talking about like if you're if you are of the mindset that the Clippers do need more rim penetration or more uh, moving pieces to get into the paint and, and, and cause havoc or, or cause rotations and, and create open shots, which I think you are, I think you're with me on this. They, they create enough as it is. So it's not something that was a dire need. Um, but if you are of that mindset, I think Victor still like, even with the, the type of injuries he's had and stuff, stuff he's gone through, I think he still would put more pressure on the paint than current Rondo. Okay, so I had really talked myself into Oladipo over the last week or so. I don't know if you saw this. Um, I thought it was a move that made sense for the Clippers. Uh, And I know we're supposed to be talking about Rondo, but I think you can't talk about Rondo without talking about Oladipo because of what was given up for Oladipo and what the Clippers gave up for Rondo. Um, There were numbers like so Oladipo's not had a great season. Like if you just look at the surface numbers, Mm -hmm. it's been a pretty bad season. You know, uh, he's averaging uh 21 points a game five rebounds five assists sounds great he's also only shooting 41 percent from the field 33 percent from three what i did is i peeled back the layers i decided to look like all right like is there anything that he could help with then i looked and found out uh he's shooting 39 percent on catch and shoot threes he's shooting 40 percent on wide open threes this is as of current status now uh, when i looked about a week ago it's a little bit better um, but basically, you're looking at a guy who's shooting 40-40, which is great splits on a team that generates wide open threes. Um, when I looked a week ago, he was having the highest drive rate of his career and the Bingo. second best and the second best finishing rate on drives in his career. So it's like, and he was really good defensively. Like he was actually really good defensively this year, and he has been throughout his career. Um, I remember when he got drafted, that was like his thing. Like he's supposed to be this you know great defender, and he actually developed into a really good offensive player. Um, as well as a good defender. Um, I thought for the Clippers, it made more sense for Oladipo because you're already capped out 
And if you go get Victor Oladipo, I'm not going to discuss what they could have sent to get him. I'm just saying, if you go get Victor Oladipo, you have Paul George already under contract. Uh, you could resign Kawhi Leonard and you could resign Victor Oladipo. Well, there's your three and they're all along the same age and timeline. Um, and you're able to get crazy. Like you're able to play Oladipo with a two, uh, PG at the three, Kawhi at the four and closing lineups. You know, if you want to go surge at the five or, or Marcus at the five, things like that down the line, you know, like there's all these kind of lineup machinations you could have gone to. Um, but they don't do that. They, yeah, Oladipo goes to Miami and, uh, Miami literally paid nothing for him, which, you know, credit to Pat Riley. That is an out, just an outrageous thing to get him for nothing. Even if you, even if we don't think Oladipo is who he was three, four years ago, that doesn't matter. Like you still got him for nothing effectively, but the Clippers get Rondo and, um, yeah, on, on court impacts. We're going to have to talk about this. The last time, according to Cleaning the Glass, that Rajon Rondo was a positive on-off guy, which means his team was better with him on the floor than off, was 2011-12. Hey, Tyler was there. Woo. We've gone (laughs) a full decade. Um, He's been – this is the worst year of his career in terms of on-court, off-court impact. Uh Cleaning the glass has him as a negative 11.7 in terms of efficiency differential, which is the eighth percentile, which cool. Um, This is none of these numbers look good. Um, If I'm going to be honest, though, and I do, I don't want to, I don't want to poo poo all over this. (sighs) All right. There might be a bright spot here. Um, And if you, if you squint and you look at it just the right light, you will see it. That bright spot is twofold. Number one, Rajon Rondo will drive to the basket. He doesn't drive to the basket to score. He drives to the basket to, to pass. Um, in Ty Lue's offense, that's fine. That's actually what they want to do. Drive to kick. Like we've heard this all the time. You know, you, you, you attack the closeouts, you drive into the paint, you spray out for threes. Ty Lue said this about a hundred times. I just have it ingrained yeah. in my head now. I'm pretty sure he said spray for threes like three million times already this season. <laughs> um, so in that, in that aspect, that first aspect, that's a positive, um, not saying Lou Williams didn't do that. I do think Rondo is better as a driving kicker. He's a much more imaginative passer. Um, while he will assist hunt, I do think Rondo can play somewhat in a structured system. And I actually did talk about this on the last podcast with Farbod, uh, the other day, which is, I did mention, I think Lou Williams would be the guy to go if the, if someone did get traded because they don't run any of the things that Lou likes to run. They stopped running Lou zoo pick and rolls. Like it just wasn't happening anymore. So you basically like you weren't running into the stuff that made Lou Williams helpful, at least to the best of his ability. So why keep him at that point? That's kind of where I think they were at. But number two, the real area I think this move helps is I think it means more minutes for uh, number one, Terrence Mann and number two, probably Luke Kennard. Um, I don't think Rondo's going to be playing, you know, 20 minutes a night like Lou Williams did. I think he's going to get like probably 10 to 12 and that'll that'll be it and you're gonna see maybe a little more pat bev depending on injury but also um you're gonna see more more luke more terrence i really do think the emergence of terrence made lou really expendable yeah that's that's a good point because we 
imagine the 180 that that we've been on with Terrence Mann since what December. Well, I mean, it goes back to last year, but I'll, but let's just say, keep it with this season and say December. You, you, no, you're right. The, the progress he's made in the last two months has been incredible. It's wild. Like if you would have said, "Oh, Terrence Mann deserves 25 minutes a night," it, we would have laughed you off the podcast. Like. It just would have been hilarious, like for a title contending team. Like, there's no way. But the guy, to me, like Brian, I know Brian Collins mentioned this a few times too. But like, I, I did not know that he could rebound the way he the way he has. Like his activity, it's like he never gets tired. So, I, I agree. The Rondo addition is. You know, I guess you could call it addition by subtraction because you are limiting the minutes that come from that Rondo slash Lou Williams player. And then you're increasing the the minutes of the other guys, which is a Luke Kennard that has needed to be on the floor. You and I discussed on the last podcast, we thought Luke has been okay, And that's when he wasn't playing minutes at all. We thought that he was still okay. It's just Ty Lue was was looking at some other stuff or didn't really trust him yet. Uh, But now it seems the trust is back. And. I think if you're going to play these other guys larger minutes, then it has to be it has to go that route. One thing I'm concerned about is that Rondo impresses in the first week or two or so, something like that. Yeah. And and he just plays himself into this role that's getting 22, 23 minutes a night. And you you even heard today, Justin, like we we asked Ty Lue or someone asked Ty Lue, um, is he going to start or come off the bench right away? Like <laughs> the fact that like it's it's even a question is kind of scary. Well, I just don't think they don't know yet. That's it. Yeah. Like he said, we, we don't we don't be healthy. Yeah, that's that's true. So I mean, have you looked at by the way the last like twenty one games for the Clippers? In in context of what, Terrence? Oh, Terrence. Yeah, I mean Terrence is. <laughs> no, no, it, no, but but I mean like compared to the rest of the team. Oh no, I haven't. Okay, so last 21 games, Terrence is averaging 21.9 minutes per game, the same amount of minutes per game that Serge Ibaka gets. God. Uh, and, and, Pat, you know, a, lot of, a lot of that's been out of necessity, but it but it's going to be yeah. like it, – it's going to be a thing moving forward. Well, well, here's the thing. The Clippers, over the last 21 games, Lou Williams played 19 games. Um, he's played 23.6 minutes per game, Lou Williams has. Those are minutes they're going to have to replace. Mm-hmm. So – I think you're going to see an uptick in Terrence. You're going to see an uptick in Luke. Uh, it also depends on on Pat, you know? It's the, it, the, the Pat Bev stuff is you can literally just you can really just write down a day that ends in a Y and it's like, OK, is, is Pat available? We don't know. So it, it's a thing that the entire fate of the Clippers and the entire rotation uh, diagram of the Clippers determined is, is based on Pat Bev's availability. And that's, that's a dangerous line to live on. And Reggie Jackson continuing to play well. Like, like, let's be honest, Reggie Jackson has saved the Clippers this year because yeah. with as often as Pat has been out, Reggie has delivered. Um, fans may get on him sometimes when he tries to do too much, but at the end of the day, he's, his heart's in the right place and he's trying uh, over the last 21 games, Reggie's averaging 22.6 minutes per game. Um, that's second most behind Lou among the true guards. I don't really consider PG a true guard. Um, but yeah, like, you know, so the Clippers have a lot of solid to good guards. They're going to have to find minutes for, um, with Lou gone. Now it's all right. So you're left with Reggie. You're left with Terrence, Pat, Luke, and Rondo. That's five guards. 
someone and obviously if Pat's injured that now it's four. Um, someone's going to not get as many minutes as the rest. It's probably going to be Luke Kennard to some degree, but I also think they're just going to keep Rondo on ice a little bit. I don't think they're going to yeah. trot him out there 20 minutes a night. If they do, I'm going to lose my mind, but yeah, yeah I, I mean, I have a question for you. Um, well, I don't know if it's so much of a question as like something that I've been wondering and, and ranting about, but it's like, okay, so it seems the general consensus among, among people that are like, you know, I, I guess you say in the media or people that are watching and around the Clippers all the time is that this has been like a, a lateral move or a step back just because of, of Rondo being worse than what they're, what they traded out. But like the, then you have the fan base the you know, individual fans that, that like, you know, die hard into the game and into the team that like love this addition that think that this is exactly what they needed all along. But my thing is those those people that are saying that are talking about the clutch time offensive problems or I, I guess clutch time offensive uh Missed shots, whatever you want to call it, the inability to close games against you know Milwaukee, Boston, Washington. Pick your cl- close game. I don't think for me those people are understanding. Like Rondo's not going to be on the floor in a perfect world. He's not going to be on the floor in those minutes that people are upset about. Does that make sense? So here's how I'll phrase it, and I, and I think you're correct. First off, here's how I'll phrase that entire aspect of it. If Rajon Rondo was on the floor in clutch situations, something either went terribly wrong for the Clippers or something went terribly right. Yeah, that's because a good point. because if it went terribly wrong, it means no one else ever actually could actually break the rotation for that. And if it went a hundred percent right, it's because he played so well in those minutes that they had to throw him in there. Um, yeah, I'm just I'm just kind of like puzzled on. I, I, it seems like you and I are on the same page that Rondo can be fine if he's playing what let's just call it twelve minutes. Would that be the would that be the happy medium that we aim for twelve minutes? Twelve, twelve would be fine. Yeah, twelve to fifteen. You know, whatever. If the you case give him is. six minute spurts, like early, or like the first six minutes of the second and fourth, yeah. if that, if that is is where I'd go. And I and I feel like that is the perfect place to be for it for it to maximize Terrence, Luke, Reggie, everyone else that has been that's been better than than Rondo, frankly, way better. Um, but it just seems like there's the other section of of people that are thinking this trade is going to be something more than twelve to fifteen minutes, and that's where that's where the problem is. If it's more than twelve to fifteen minutes, I I don't I don't know, man. I don't know if it's um, more than 12 to 15 minutes. It's because Kawhi and PG want it to be right. Yeah. That, that Yeah. Yeah. Um, I do have some interesting numbers here for you actually with Rondo this season. Go Stuff ahead. that actually, no, no, it's actually not bad. Um, 147 minutes with Clint Capella on the court, 99.3 defensive rating. Hmm. In the 960, now obviously this is a far larger sample size. In the 965 minutes Capella's played without Rondo, it's 108 uh, even. Now, to be fair, Capella on, Rondo off is plus five and a half net rating. Rondo on, Capella on is minus 3.6. But then I found another one that's actually kind of shocking. Now, granted, it's only 67 minutes. Okay. But Rondo with Capella and Gallinari 
was plus nine and a half with a 97.1 defensive rating. So Rondo with a shooter and a rolling big. Yeah. Okay. Um, now, to be fair, the other side of this, Capella Gallinari together without Rondo was plus 20.8. So <laughs> obviously it's a Gallinari thing. But but what I'm trying to say is like there are archetypes that he can su- succeed with. Like I'm thinking maybe you play him with Morris and Zubots or Ibaka. Like here's the thing. Okay, so, so I was thinking about this driving home tonight after picking up food. And I know we've been talking for a very long time and I apologize. I have a lot more to say, so let's go. <laughs> okay. Um, which of the centers would you tether him to? Because I think there's an argument for each guy. Like for instance, with, with Zubots, he sets such better screens and is a harder roller that I think that suffocates the paint. So when Rondo drives, there's better kickout options. But with Ibaka, because of his prodigious popping threat, and at least the, the threat of that just in general, when if they run pick and pop, Rondo has easier lanes to the hoop to either try to lay the ball up or kick it out. It's going to sound like a cop-out answer, Justin, but because uh, oh, – because <laughs> I, I was actually on the side of, of uh, tethering them to Ibaka as I was initially just thinking about it, like, you know, when that first happened. But then I remembered that Rondo has a lot of locker room um, practice, like actual non-COVID practice, <laughs> and then um, game relationship with Zubots from the Lakers. So, I mean... Were they together? Make, yeah, I'm pretty. Now I might sound like an idiot if it's not right, but I'm pretty damn sure it's correct. 2018, 19, right? You're gonna make me go look this up right now. 2018, 19. Rondo played 46 games with the Lakers, and Zubats didn't get traded until that season. So they have oh, experience shit. together, and I'm not sure if it's a lot. I'm not sure if it's a little. But I do know that something we underestimate and we undervalue as as people in the media is that how much time together, uh, you know, behind the scenes, how much time together at practice, that kind of matters and that kind of plays into it. So I, I think Rondo and Zoo are going to are going to love each other in that in that regard in terms of pick and roll duo. So they played 33 minutes together, apparently that year. Well, only 33 minutes. Maybe I'm looking at this wrong. That's that seems very low. That seems that does seem very low, doesn't it? I mean, look, I, I it wasn't a secret that Lou and Zoo, while they were working on everything to functionally get better as a pair, it wasn't like the most flawless pattern. But at the same time, they they seem like they got along and they you know they loved it. I was wrong. It was one hundred and eighty five minutes? Okay. Uh, plus 6.1 if you're into those things. I, I just think it, it it would work in that regard. But then you have to kind of like imagine what the other, uh, you know, what the other pieces of the lineup would be. Okay, I think, here, I, I, think I, I got it for you. Okay. Uh, that, that season. So like I said, they were, when I tell you they were plus, uh, plus 6.1. If you expand that to three-man lineups um, with Ingram, 136 minutes, but negative 0.4. But here's the interesting one. 131 minutes with KCP plus 16 and a half. Now, mind you, that's 11 games. But um, you go beyond that and you're looking at uh, KCP with Ingram and those two was still plus 7.6 in 88 minutes. 
man. Uh, Josh Hart with KCP, Rondo, and Zubots was plus 36.2 in 57 minutes. So if you surround Rondo, I guess in theory, if you surround Rondo with a great screen and roller and two shoot, at least two shooters, you have to probably have to make it three. Uh, well, you would have to make it three because of the Rondo's own spacing. Um, you know, there, there's some, there might be something there. I don't know. Um, it, it, it's, it might be too early. I, I mean, it's way too early actually, but like, like, does that make sense? Like if you surround yeah, him, I, I was going to say, I was going to say Rondo, a superstar. So whatever, whoever that is quite PG. PG. So, so Rondo, PG. yeah. Rondo, PG, Morris, Luke, zoo. Does that work? theoretically that works the the other thing might just be putting batum in there yeah yeah i just thought instead of luke yeah i thought luke because if if things stall you can kind of he's the second side creator but yeah i mean it's either or i guess i guess the second side creator for that would just be pg Mm -hmm. because because they tyloo ran a crap ton of mid post from in this game didn't he yeah, I mean, so there there are a lot. I think what we're gonna get into is there there are plenty options that that is going to be available for Ty Lu to tap into with Rondo. By the way, you blew my goddamn mind with the fact that he and Zubats <clears throat> play together. I completely. Well, hey, that was the that was the most hilarious season in Lakers history to me. So I, <laughs> it, it was definitely uh, it was definitely fun to point that out because that that's whenever uh, they I think Zoo had the game of his life or was it, was it Mo Wagner had a game of his life against the Warriors on Christmas. Then they traded him like soon after. So <laughs> it was like, I mean, Zubats uh, just came over to Clippers for a bag of chips. Uh, but I, God, I will really say, <laughs> I will say like, I, I'm not like completely fully on this, on this boat of the Clippers got worse. Like, I don't think they got worse. I think they, I think they stayed neutral as title contenders. Like they didn't leave a, a, a status that they were currently in or previously in and they didn't jump or get better. I don't think they got better. I will say that. Um, but it's like, it's up to Ty Lu, And, and basically like, would you trust if, if, if Doc Rivers was the coach of this team, I think we would both feel very bad right now. Right. Uh, yeah. Um, I'm yeah. so nervous because, of the whole Ty Lue being the Rondo whisperer thing, which scares the shit out of me. Yeah. But if Doc Rivers was the one making the decisions on this, yeah, like, yeah, I, yeah. I would, I would run, I would run away. Yeah. I mean, you know, and maybe I'm being very political here, but, um, they've talked all off season and began this season. Like, Hey, we're not a regular season team. We're a postseason team. Um, first off, I think the playoff Rondo stuff is bullshit. Um, I think he's had several good games in the last several seasons. He's been in the postseason, but not enough to be like this mythical creature that can just walk into a room and flip on the light switch. And all of a sudden he's donning a cape and ready to destroy worlds. Like, I don't <laughs> see that. Like, as like he had two good games in the finals and played four awful ones and everyone just lost their minds. Um, then again, he did, uh, he did kill Denver, which was wild to watch. Yeah, And, and to your point, dude, like he, he shot 40% from three in the playoffs, but it's on, it was on 50 shots. I think if you give any professional player, 50, yeah, if you give 50 shots to any professional player, that's why that majority of them's wide open. Like he, he, he might hit 40% of them. Like he also could have hit 32%. 
Yeah, because I mean the, the margins are really that slim. Um, yeah, you know, make or miss league. Ha ha. Anyways, um, I don't know. This is uh, I guess not to get political though. Like uh, they've talked all this time about we're a playoff team, and like th- this, these are playoff moves. Um, as much as I love Lou, uh, his glaring weaknesses in the postseason were there. However, he was not the reason the Clippers lost to Denver. They were actually better with him on the floor in that Denver series, especially defensively, which was wild at the time. Yeah. I remember doing the breakdown about how much he was actually helping them on the defensive end. Um, I don't know. This doesn't make him better. I don't know if it makes him worse. I think they're – I think – they're more or less about the same. It's like when you go into the optometrist and you can't tell if it's better yeah. or worse or about the same. And you're just like, uh, I don't know. Can I give you um, my most, my most interesting Rondo stat? Sure. Okay. Cause I didn't get, like, I kind of buried it here, but my most interesting was Rondo stat for the season. The Atlanta Hawks, when Rondo is not on the floor, so it's anyone else, but Rondo, um, they turn the ball over on 13.5% of their possessions. That would be top eight, top seven in the league. I think maybe even a little bit higher. That's right around the best. When Rondo is on the floor for the listeners, I'll slow this down. When Rondo is on the floor for the Hawks. Please, please don't. They turn the ball over at 16% of their possessions. That would be worst in the NBA. So, Justin, well, what did we just talk about at the top of the show? Yeah. The turnovers. It's like, I'm not, okay, now maybe, and and I, I should not fall into the hole of, of just because this happened here, it's going to happen there. It's it's two completely different teams. You're going to have Kawhi and PG holding the ball instead of Trey Young or instead of whoever it is. Um, you're going to have Zubats catching roll passes instead of Clint Capella. It's, it's all different. But it's like, if that's been the case for 402 Rondo minutes with the Hawks, like that's tr- that's a trend. That's a heavy trend. And if he's trying these ridiculous passes because he thinks he can show off or he thinks he can show the coaching staff this is what they've been missing, like that's problematic. Yeah, um it's uh, they're going to have to rein him in um and maybe that's Ty's job is like Ty and Chauncey, right? Like that'll be the thing yeah. is they they can just they can rein him in because he respects them so much, especially Ty. Um, I'd say especially Chauncey. I mean, hell, didn't they? You know, they've had battles probably. That's true. Yeah, uh, some of the pist Chauncey was still there in 08 with the Pistons, right? And, oh yeah, but I think oh nine he went to Denver. That's you oh, know. that's right. Yeah. Yeah. Um, hey, the team that drafted him, oddly enough. Uh, <laughs> anyways, um, with Rondo, I do think. There's a lot not to like, and I'm really trying to focus on the stuff I do like. So let me just say, if they give him 12 to 15 minutes, and they well, they cap him at 12 to 15 minutes, and then he primarily is a driving kicker, and on second side action against closeouts, he drives and kicks and swing, swing, and you have open threes, fine. Um, if he's committed defensively, great. Like, they, they need him to buy in defensively. The Clippers have been great defensively, um, since the all-star break started or since coming out of the all-star break. Um, the other thing is he needs to tone down the crazy passes. Uh, I mean, we've talked about the turnovers. It's just, you cannot risk live ball turnovers, especially in the playoffs by trying to get too cute. 
Um, but more than anything, I think he just opened up minutes for other guys, and I'm fine with that to some degree. Uh, I thought Lou would kind of run his course, even though I love Lou. Um, it's a very emotional day. It's oh, been yeah. a very heavy day. I'm kind of I'm kind of just over here like while you're talking, I'm listening, but I'm also like daydreaming Zoning? about. Yeah. I'm also daydreaming about like a how a Chris Paul Suns versus Rondo Clippers is going to go <laughs> whenever they're matched up together. If by God they are matched up together, which they should not be, you know. I wonder which side Patrick Beverly is going to choose because Patrick Beverly might fight both of them. <laughs> Well, I actually thought like maybe uh, I know you said earlier that Pat Bev might be the one that that gets pissed off at him the first, but I, I could definitely see Surge being that. His Surge don't take anything. He, his Surge is going to let people know. <laughs> Rondo's going to fire a pass and call it art, and Surge is going to choke him to death on the court, and that'll Jesus be the Christ. end of this Clippers team. Um, it's just a very. It's been a very long day. It's been a very emotional day. Um, when do you think he'll play? That that'll be when you think play. Oh my god, that's that's well, no Embiid, so it's not the end of the world. But you know, that's no still Tony tough. Bradley. <laughs> <laughs> um. Oh my god, Rondo against Dwight and Doc. Oh god, it, it's it's nuts, dude. It's nuts. And I might be there, maybe. Oh, it's gonna, gonna be. I'm gonna be sitting there just watching on in horror and everything. <laughs> You got to remember, I just saw this man play on Monday. Oh, God. Yeah. And you mentioned, by the way, to your credit, you mentioned that a lot of the run happened while Rondo was on the floor, right? Yeah. So they they trimmed off a hefty portion of that lead with Rondo on the court, court late in the third quarter. Like he came in and they just went on like this run, which uh, when I did my video breakdown of that run the other day, um, Rondo just kept losing. Like, who the hell loses Luke Kennard? Not to say Luke <laughs> Kennard is like this amazing offensive player, but like wide open from three, like you want to cover him. And he just kept mm-hmm. sitting at the elbow just watching. Yeah. Um, and, but yeah, I just. <laughs> my last, I think my last Rondo point in this, <laughs> I just thought about this. If he can win Marquise a ring, he can win Marcus a ring. Oh my God. There's a lot of storylines that I'm kind of There's buying into. So many. Oh, you're selling me on. I don't want to be sold. If um, he, if if Rajon Rondo, I'll say this now: if Rajon Rondo hits five three pointers in a Lakers Clippers series, I will delete my Twitter. No, you won't. <laughs> no, I won't. But <laughs> no, you won't. Yeah. Um. By the way, you know what's crazy that I just thought of? What? Uh, Kawhi. So, like, if the Clippers win a title this year, Kawhi will have three rings with three different teams or a ring with three different teams, and so will Rondo. And LeBron, right? Uh, and, Le- well, LeBron would, too. He LeBron already does. So does Danny <laughs> oh, Green. Yeah. My God. Uh, Danny, Danny Green. Green. <laughs> by the yeah. way, Danny Green almost getting why, – why, why the hell was Philly trying to trade him today? I don't know. But, by the way, let's talk about – okay, I, we need to end this, but this is the funniest <laughs> thing because we're going to talk about Danny Green. I know you want to talk about it for a second. Philadelphia almost traded him today to Golden State. And the reason that's funny is because tonight he was supposed to receive his championship ring because the Sixers were in Los Angeles to play the Lakers. Um, so if he had gotten traded, he literally would not have gotten his championship ring. Now, are you ready for the greatest thing about this? Yes. He has still not gotten his championship ring from the Toronto Raptors because they <laughs> because the Lakers never played in Toronto last year due to the pandemic. Okay, my thing is, why can't you just you're you're rich? Like, why can't you just have that sent to you? 
they want the ceremony thing. Like, oh, like, the, well, that ain't happening anytime soon. <laughs> yeah, that's what I said. <laughs> like, just, just FedEx it to him and have him bring it to the arena. You can't even and get to, you, can, you can't even get into Toronto right now. No, you can't. They're in. They're stuck in Tampa. They're Florida men. Oh my god, this is a wild day. <laughs> this um, might have been like the most jam-packed podcast. Like, yeah. By the way, I know we. I've said by the way, and we've said by the way like thirty <laughs> times. Uh, Vucevic getting traded shocked me. Yeah, like I, by the like I, I just almost said it again, but I think I think like him getting traded shocked me too. But I didn't expect Chicago. Like that was out of left field to me. That seemed pretty random. Um, I'm a little bit stunned that New Orleans held on to Lonzo, especially because there was so much smoke about moving him. Uh, I I had heard he wanted to get home to L.A. Um, yeah, and by the uh, and like, I need to quit saying that. <laughs> yeah, I, I'm like dialed into. By the way, I don't know why, but uh, <laughs> welcome to the By the Way podcast. <laughs> I, I, I got I got to say, like, I know Ron, I know Lonzo. Doesn't he make considerably more? What's he make? Uh, he, he makes like 10, I think. Okay, so not that much more. Uh, that would have been a huge, huge uh, addition to bolster the Clippers' playoff championship hopes. Like, like if they would have been able to get Lonzo for something that wasn't ridiculous, because you know me, I'm, I'm all about – and this is for any team, not just the Clippers. Like, if you have to gut your depth that you have been leaning on for so long – for, for half the season uh, to get someone that's not going to make that much of a difference. If you got your depth, it ain't worth it. But if they could have done that without, without gutting it uh, into the rotation, like I would have, I think the Clippers would have won the title probably. You, you know what I just found out? What? Rajon Rondo's agent is the same agent for Patrick Beverly and Terrence Mann. That's interesting. I wonder if that's why. So maybe Could Beverly be. and Rondo are cool, and I'm just insane. Anyways. Um, Lonzo would have helped more, obviously. So I don't think they were ever going to try. I don't think they were ever going to trade for Lonzo. Um, not because of like, oh, they didn't have the package to do it. I don't think it's that. I think they just don't want to deal with Clutch. He's with Rich Paul. It's not a bad point there. Uh, Marcus is not with Clutch, right? Correct. He he okay. moved on. Yeah. Um, we, need to, we, need, we do need to wrap this up. It's been an hour. Um <laughs> Shane, where can everyone find you, find your work, find your by the ways? Where can they do that? You can find my by the ways and my Rondo or anti Rondo tweets at Young BA, I guess, until he does something that is worthy of praising. And then you'll see pro Rondo tweets, maybe. Um, but Young if MBA. you enough. <laughs> exactly. And, uh, I, you know, I'm, I'm thinking about writing some stuff on the MVP race because I, I'm going to do that at Forbes Sports, by the way. That's where I write. And I'm thinking about doing that because it's kind of like, dead or not dead but it's just like not it's like not compelling anymore since lebron's gonna miss four to six weeks and since uh mbs have been out for a while so it's it kind of just felt like a two-man little race right now for mvp so i might write about that a little bit i kind of just feel like it's Jokic. yeah well i i would this is a whole nother podcast i think right now i'd, <laughs> I'd probably go Giannis, but that's just oh, me oh yeah, yeah Giannis and Jokic right now is insane i yeah. i Giannis really just like so I remember like a couple of weeks ago, I posted Giannis's numbers for the season and people quote tweeted it with like, cause I, I said like Giannis is averaging blah, blah, blah. Like no one cares. They're like, well, yeah, like he should be doing this. It's like, um, I don't think anyone actually realized at the time that the numbers Giannis was putting up and is putting up has only been done like seven times in NBA history. And he's on pace to do it for his third time. Absurd. Like, he's, if you looked at him as just a center, like if you just viewed him as a center, 
like the super athletic center, it'd be a lot different. Like people would lose their minds. Um, anyways, Shane, thank you for joining. I know it was a little bit of short notice. I know it's been a long podcast. And by the way, I had fun. <laughs> Me too, man. Let's do this very frequently. Yep. Um, folks, we will see you all later. Uh, I don't know when Farbottom will be back with me. Um, it'll be a little bit, uh, his schedule is a little bit jam packed. And also there's a lot of stuff happening. Maybe we'll try to get a, a podcast in, uh, next Wednesday after the Clippers play. Cause they play Saturday and then they play, uh, Monday, Tuesday. Uh, everybody have a good night. Stay safe. Take care of each other and happy hunting. This was a trade deadline not to forget in a very long taxing day. Enjoy yourselves. If you're struggling with alcohol or drugs, Recovery Centers of America can help. RCA's local inpatient and outpatient programs are founded on science and delivered with heart from an expert caring team who will inspire and guide you every step of the way. Go to rcahelp.com podcast for more information on how to get treatment. At RCA, you'll be in a community that builds connections and fosters support from peers and RCA's team of medical professionals. At RCA's state-of-the-art campuses, they tailor your treatment to you and also offer specialized programs for patients with history of trauma or relapse, for young adults, for adults 50-plus, for the LGBTQ plus community, a confidential program for first responders and service members, and a faith-based program. Recovery Centers of America accepts patients 24-7 and is in network with most insurance providers. Don't wait. Go to rcahelp.com slash podcast for help. rcahelp.com slash podcast.